The Grassroots Network summer podcast series has been generously underwritten by Turnkey Vacation Rentals. Turnkey Vacation Rentals is the first truly owner-centric vacation rental service now available in the Roaring Fork Valley. We handle all of your short-term rental property management needs, offering superior service and high returns. Turnkey's straightforward pricing and transparent business model make it easier for you to earn revenue from your rental. Proprietary technology provides a smoother, more efficient experience for both travelers and vacation rental owners. Trustworthy, local staff provides support around the clock with true full-service property management for homeowners and their guests. For more information on Turnkey Vacation Rentals, contact Mark Viola at mark.viola at turnkeyvr.com or call at 970-368-4288. Turnkey Vacation Rentals supports the Grassroots Network in your community. Good day and welcome to Squirm Night with uh, the Aspen Daily News and the Aspen Times. I am Curtis Wackerly, editor of the Aspen Daily News. To my left is Rick Carroll, uh, managing editor of the Aspen Times. This is a uh, tradition, a bit of a tradition here whenever there is an election. Uh, we have with us the three candidates who are running to be our next county commissioner for District 3, uh, the primary election from which uh, only two of these gentlemen will um, uh, continue on is next week on Tuesday, the 28th. Oh. And um, as a reminder to folks, early voting is this week from 8.30 to 4.30 p.m. Uh, all week, Monday through Friday, at the Aspen Jewish Community Center on Main Street, and then from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturday. And uh, like Curtis said, Election Day is Tuesday. Polls are open from 7 to 7, or uh, you can drop your ballots off there. They're mail-in, or you can vote in person. Um, and we're going to start off just letting the candidates uh, let folks know who they are. We're going to start with Greg Postman. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, I just want to thank uh, my fellow opponents here, my opponents uh, in this campaign. I've never run a campaign, and uh, now I appreciate what it means. And uh, so anyway, thank you for putting yourselves forward. Um, thank everyone else, too, for putting this on. Um, uh, I want to say, why me right now? Um, uh, I'm a lifelong resident of Pitkin County, and I think I have the long view on what's been happening here over my lifetime. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of change, as a lot of us have, and I think I have a perspective on it. Um, I'm most concerned about loss of quality of life for the residents of Pitkin County. That's, that's what motivated me originally to get involved. Um, and measure that by, uh, I'm reading from my notes here, if it's okay, measured by uh, crowding and traffic, degradation of rural and wild lands to development. Um, I also understand that development and growth is part of, of what we, we are and what we depend on to survive, so um, there's a balance there. Um, I think mainly what I want to work toward in that regard is that, that we must grow responsibly. We must understand what it is we're doing and, and where we're going and be as responsible <coughs> as we can. Um, that's our only option. I want my children to grow up here. I want them to have the opportunities and, and the, the place here uh, that I grew up and appreciated. Appreciated. Um, a young, oh, for this five seconds? Wow. Um, a young friend asked her father recently what it was a county commissioner did. And his response was so great, I have to share it with you all. He said, the commissioners are what keep Aspen from becoming what Eagle Vale 
Summit County have become. And I can leave it there if it's only five seconds. Next up is Hawk Greenway. Hi, my name is Hawk Greenway. I'm uh, pleased to be a county candidate, a candidate for county commissioner. I've never run a campaign before, so first time for everything. I have spent the last 18 years as a member of the Open Space and Trails Board. I've attended tons of meetings in, during that time. I've worked with many different county commissions. I have uh, uh, watched the county change, as Greg has mentioned. I've worked hard during that period of time to protect open space and uh, public access to public lands. The um, uh, trails are important to me. I think they're important for quality of life here in Pitkin County, and I want to continue to work in that regard. The Open Space and Trails Board works very collaboratively with the Pitkin County Commissioners. We would not spend a dime without um, both boards' approval. So during that 18 years, I've watched many different commissions come and go. I've enjoyed working with uh, many of them and have seen uh, the manner in which the open space works with the county has uh, developed over, the, over time, but it's the collaboration has um, given me the ability to work with other boards. So I can safely say that I'm ready to continue working with the current commission, um, all of whom will be coming back on there and uh, working for um, the benefit of the people of Pitkin County. Thank you, Hawk. And now Scott Ryder. Thanks, Rick. Um, my name is Scott Ryder. I moved here in 1971 with my parents when I was in eighth grade. Um, finished Aspen High in 76. Um, I've, got, I've been married for 28 years to a wonderful gal, Suzanne. We have three kids, 24, 23, and 12. Um, like Greg, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to run. I think it's, it's just great. I'm having a blast going out and talking to people and talking to these guys and, and really getting to learn the issues and what's important to folks out there. I'm running as a, a Pitkin Independent, what I call Pitkin Independent. I went to school at CU Boulder. I graduated with business and poli-sci emphasis. And, and when I finished at Boulder, I really sat down and thought about what party should I join. And really what, why I decided not to join either party is I really am abhorred by the influence of money in politics. That was at the time, and I still am, quite frankly. I think it's, it's really obscene. But I've also decided that being an independent also gives me a unique perspective and the ability to talk to everyone without having to feel like I'm pegged as being on one side or the other. So as running as a county commissioner, I really feel very confident that I can express respect and courtesy to everyone who comes in front of me. I'm also running under the locals first moniker that I came up with. And it's because I believe that what's important to us as locals, the environment, our people, housing, is also the same thing that largely drives our economy. Locals make this place great. Locals are what contribute to the community, drive our nonprofits, and make us unique in the resort competitive world. And um, that's why I'm running. Thank you, Scott. Um, so the audience knows, and you all are acquainted with the format, I believe, that this next 20 minutes is Curtis and I are going to ask you all some questions. And then following that, we're going to allow you all to have an exchange with each other. And then the, the last portion of the um, 
Squirm Day event. Uh, we'll allow questions from the audience, and we've also received a few email questions as well. So um, moving forward, I'm going to start with you, Greg. Um, in previous interviews that, that I've read or watched, you've said you're the only candidate who's not making a buck off real estate development or speculation. Um, first off, what is wrong with these guys making a little money if that's their source of income? And is there anything specifically that you think they're doing wrong? Well, here's, here's my the reason I, I, I make that. I was asked what were the differences, and that is one of them. Um, I think that we live in an overheated real estate economy. There's a speculation boom. There's a building boom. We have intense growth pressures. There's a lot of money involved. And one of the things the county commissioners do is they, they uh, are the lens from the community and, and the, uh, the voice um, often involved in land use regulation, land use issues. Um, they're the ones who are approving budgets. They're the ones who are involved in, in all of these decisions. It's a, it's a land use sort of thing. I think there are opportunities for conflicts of interest. I really do. Um, and these things can happen. It, it does happen. Um, uh, how often do you want to have to recuse yourself? Mm -hmm. um, so that's my, my first answer is that, uh, yes, I think we do have uh, a preponderance of, of activity here, which is, as we all know, driving prices up dramatically. It's a big, expensive, lucrative, and, and alluring game to be in. I'd like to have a county commissioner who doesn't have a role in that game, who can look at it from the outside. And so that's, that's my main uh, reason for that. Now, are there any specific things? Well, you know, um, here's, here's one of my, my um, big concerns is that uh, we do have areas in the valley that are extremely critical, in my opinion, as open space and wild land, places that are um, important to us. Backside of Aspen Mountain, one, and that's really one of the reasons that I'm, I want to be here talking today. Because I don't think we should be developing that. I think we should be trying to preserve it. Are you suggesting that that's what Hawk is doing? Well, I, I do know, and it's, it's pretty common knowledge, public record, that Hawk has bought and sold a lot of property back there, many acres, on several occasions, developed it. Um, if you do that while you're on the Open Space and Trails Board, um, I don't know, is, is it possible that you could have neutralized property but had the opportunity to buy it at times? I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a question that has to come up. Well, and I'm not, and I did not, I'm not pulling this out of thin air. People are calling me and asking me. So well, it's a concern I had. I'm glad it's come out now. You, Hawk, you, both I'd, of you guys get a chance to respond to this. I'd love to say. respond to mm -hmm. that. I um, uh, have would have to put this into the category of uh, no good deed goes unpunished uh, in that I have indeed um, owned property on the back of Aspen Mountain. I own property there. Uh, I am the, um, uh, I had uh, friends on the Open Space and Trails Board call me a, a, a one-man uh, conservation organization. One of the uh, projects that I had on the back of Aspen Mountain uh, finished the preservation of the basin itself by removing all potential for houses to land in the meadows there. And uh, this is a 40 acre um, parcel. Uh, I um, purchased the Little Annie Mine itself. It's one of the few uh, uses of the historic um, TDR program in uh, Pitkin County where um, I 
uh, got the uh, Little Annie Mine mm -hmm. designated historic and preserved that for all time going forward. The TDR that came with that sold with the property and funded the um, uh, preservation and restoration of that Little Annie Mine cabin there. Um, so I'm very proud of that. I mean, that's that. I mean, it was one of those things that it was right in front of me. I brought it to the Open Space and Trails Board, and I could not get the entire board to bite on it because it cost a lot of money to do that. I found myself in there um, thinking, this is a, a good thing to do, as to keep this valley. That was in addition to Pitkin County having spent a great deal of time and, and um, effort and TDRs sterilizing the whole of the Little Annie Basin face. So. Um, you know, my, I think my record stands on its own there. Um, I did build a house and live in it. I lived in it for 15 years. Does that make me a developer? Uh, that I purchased a, a property, that was the first rural and remote cabin that was built uh, in, on the back of Aspen Mountain. Uh, there are 20, 25 cabins. It's actually a bit of a neighborhood back there. And when the rural and remote program came in, it was, um, uh, quite controversial, and they, uh, there, were, there was a great deal of talk of lawsuits challenging the county for removing value from the land. And I looked at the rural and remote regulations and I said a thousand square feet is all anybody should ever um, need. I can live within the, the restrictions. And um, so it was uh, the nearest thing at the time to um, wrong side of the railroad track type mm -hmm. property in uh, Pitkin County. And, um, I, I had a friend, it was great, who um, uh, went in uh, and was in the um, housing lottery at the same time. So on the one hand, he was in the housing lottery. On the other hand, I was trying to find a place to live with my son and, and trying to solve this housing problem here. So um, I came up with a mining claim. The fellow had, who was selling it had looked at rural and remote, and he said, they'll never permit a cabin here. Um, he couldn't decide whether to sue the county and he, he bailed on the property and sold it to me. And I had taken the entire thing through the ComDev process, got, managed to get Pitkin County permits, and constructed a cabin there. Um, so at the time, I was telling my friend, you've got to find a way through this housing problem here. And, and you know, these mining claims, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be tough. You can't have uh, electricity and so forth. Uh, and I had my argument all set for him, and then he won the housing lottery. <laughs> and, um, and he said, you know, there are multiple ways through this housing crunch here, and uh, I, I was uh, glad to have found one. I'm sure we can get back to this particular issue, but Scott, are you in fact involved in real estate, and is that a problem? Can I? Well, sure, I'll reply to both of those questions. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually kind of a bogus call. Um, there's a lot of people involved in real estate that go all the way from carpenters to laborers to architects to real estate agents to developers. A lot of the people on your kitchen cabinet are in that same world. And I don't think that makes anybody a bad person. Um, I think that there's other elements of, of my experience that come in really handy. I worked in restaurants for over 15 years as a high school, college, and post-college ski bum. I've, I, um, my wife and I have been involved in, in buying and selling, starting with little condos, trying to work our way up to homes is our way to try to survive here and have a home in my hometown. Um, I've been involved in the renewable energy business where there's a solar, solar company where we're building solar 
in India right now over canals, which is a pretty intriguing and fun concept. Sorry, I'm trying to keep in the 90-second thing here. I was, um, when I ran for county commissioner in 1992, I was a proponent of the rural and remotes um, program. And um, my opponent at the time, a great guy named Jim True, told, told everyone during that campaign the program was naive. I fought for it. I think it's a great program. I think it works well, although it might be getting towards the end of its tether. Um, I've been involved in wetland creation on a commercial level, which is also just a wonderful, wonderful way to, to give back. And, and I'm sort of an Amory Lovins kind of guy. Uh, he, I'm a fan of his, where he tries to create value to the environment. And I really believe in that concept. We need to put value to our values. And, and our code should reflect those values. And, and, and I think that the codes are going to be great um, if they get changed to be more effective on affordable housing. And, uh, and I think that someone with my kind of experience is going to be most able to get through those codes because I've dealt with a lot of those things that I don't think Greg has. Greg, you mentioned conflicts of interest. Do you think there are any specific conflicts of interest either of these two guys would have if they were on the board? I don't know. I'd like to ask them that. I, I'm, I'm just wondering, as of now, I, don't, I, I probably would assume they don't. Um, I'm not accusing them of anything untoward right now. I'm just wondering if, in the past, would there have been an opportunity, um, Hawk, maybe to put the land into a conservation easement or neutralize it completely and not build it and sell it for a very large profit, um, uh, which is what I understand you've done. And so I can't hold it against you if you were a private developer doing this, but as somebody in a position of public trust on open space and trails with information, knowledge, coming through these organizations, these meetings, um, I happen to know when you sit on a board, you get to learn a lot of things in executive session or otherwise. And over 20 years, seems like a really long time to be doing both, both things. And I honestly think that um, perhaps it's, it's time that open space and trails had term limits that were enforced and more of a revolving pool. We have a lot of real estate professionals and land use professionals in our community who could be rotating in and out of an organization like this. And I think um, I'm just not comfortable with someone who is doing deals with mining claims, which uh, philosophically, the, I think the, uh, the mining laws were not meant to, to, for people to build private homes or guest homes, second homes in the backcountry. So, so um, you know, my, con my concern is that we have oversight, scrutiny, transparency, and, uh, and yes, I do have questions about, you know, do building on one hand, yet being the protector of open space on the other. I really do. Well, where to, where to start? Um, thank you for acknowledging that over 18 years, I would uh, uh, have learned something on the Open Space and Trails Board. In fact, I've learned quite a bit. One of the things I have learned is about uh, conflict of interest um, laws and regulations. And I'm very confident in the uh, county's approach to um, disclosure of co uh, conflict of interest, and in fact, I've never seen it. Um, I have indeed uh, seen um, board members step away from uh, both the county commissioner level and the Open Space and Trails Board during uh, discussions, and, and um, I've removed myself from all discussions when, in fact, I was trying to place conservation easements on um, the 40 acres in the Little Annie Basin. I placed that in front of the board and left the room. And so, um, uh, I, I find your accusations are um, 
um, strange, to say the least. The other thing that you bring up is um, the concept of term limits on volunteerism here in Pitkin County, and I, I find that ab absurd. I mean, here you have a board which is appointed by the county commissioners, and the county commissioners are responsible to the people of Pitkin County, and um, so, you know, they, you already have term limits. If you're doing something that they don't like, they have the opportunity not to reappoint you when your term is up. So, I mean, we already have term limits on the one hand. The other hand is we actually have a hard time filling these volunteer board seats. And um, so when you have volunteers who find themselves, um, you know, knowledgeable about the situation, uh, passionate about what they're doing, you know, dedicated, and they're rewarded by their work, they're going to stick on those boards unless they are not reappointed. So the thought that you would toss out a volunteer um, because of a term limit, I, 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 just, I find that strange. Um, Let's get Scott's take on, uh, on term limits on the Open Space Board. What do you think? Well, first of all, conflict of interest, no. The last two things that could have possibly had a conflict of interest is when I built our first family home about 22 years ago in Old Snowmass. That was a home for ourselves, and, and I'm proud of it, and it was lovely. And the other thing is I was the president of the fundraiser that, that raised the money and negotiated the deal on the Aspen Recreation Center, which had some kind of involvement. Scott, were, you so, on the, were you actually on a, serving on a board that, that was handling, working with real estate and open space, and were you actually serving at the time concurrently as you were doing those things? I was on the Spark board as we were raising the money and negotiating the deal with the city to build the Aspen Recreation Center. And uh, at the time that I built my home in Old Snowmass, no, I don't believe I was serving on any board, not that that would have had any conflict of interest. I mean, you live in a home. Do you have a conflict sure. of interest for serving in the county? I don't think so. And I also think that the, the experience that, that I have, and, and, and maybe Hawk, I'm not aware of his, his experience, really serves us. In terms of um, term limits, now I, I tend to agree with Hawk on that. I mean, when, when it's an appointed position, then the term limit serves itself. I mean, the, the, the board will decide if that person is representing their interests in the county interests or not. And I think that there's a small enough crew of really dedicated people in this community, even though we got a ton, it's oftentimes to get, it's hard to get good volunteers. So I wouldn't want to, to kick someone out over a, some sort of arbitrary term limit. So why are these guys wrong about term limits? I just think that if you have a, uh, someone with as much power, think of the Open Space and Trails Board. It's, it's a group of guys who I, I sit at their feet. I admire all of them. Some of them have been there a very long time. Um, they, but they do have a, a huge budget. It's a huge portion of the county budget. They have a lot of influence in the community. They have a lot of power. Um, it seems to me that a group like that, without, without some sort of term, without, um, I don't know, do they have enough oversight? Some people don't think so. Some people think that we have um, an, a certain arrogance creeping into open space and trails. If you go out and listen in Redstone and Old Snowmass and in Woody Creek, um, you're going to hear, get an earful on how they think people come up forward and think open space and trails has become arrogant and, and are, are getting too pushy. So I guess I'm just speaking for the people that are out in the, in the hinterland who, who have a, an objection. So I have a question about open space and trails. Both Greg and Scott have made some statements that um, convey that recreation has perhaps taken on too much 
uh, of a place of importance in this program should be more focused on conservation and wildlife. I'm just curious, are there any uh, of the latest batch of new trails that have been developed or are currently in the planning process that you would like uh, to have not been built or not be built going forward? Scott, start with you. Um, I can't speak to any specific trail, no. Uh, when we did the Woody Creek Caucus um, conversation with the Woody Creek folks, there were a lot of people who were pretty upset over issues. But I, I'm not going to pretend to be a biologist. Whoops, sorry about that. Um, uh, but I have talked to a lot of people and been around and reading up on this a lot. And, and one of the dangers I think that we face here and everywhere really is sort of loving our, our nat native habitat to death. And so there are definitely places where I would, I would work with the experts on this kind of thing to identify what are the places that have to be protected, what are the places that we can, we can recreate comfortably without really having a major impact and, and, and screwing up an ecosystem? But no, no specific trails or specific areas where you feel like you're being I don't, I don't have a specific one that, okay. I, that I can say now, no. Greg? Um, uh, yes, you know, what, what's interesting is speaking with longtime parks and wildlife experts, um, uh, Kevin Wright, retired after 30 years, parks and wildlife in our, in our area, wrote a letter to Open Space and Trails and, and the county on his retirement last fall stating that they are measuring a loss of wildlife habitat, loss of calving grounds, loss of population, loss of ability to regenerate elk, deer, other, other wildlife in some of these areas. He points it directly at in urbanization of, of the backcountry. Uh, building of trails. In some cases, some bio open space and trails. Others are illegal trails. There are a lot of there's a lot of illegal trail building, as we all know, um, and and that is uh, an another issue. Um, one of the founders of open space and trails, and one of the, the fathers of rural and remote, uh, Tom Cardamone, who's one of the original directors at Aces, was saying, if I can quote here. Um, we all love open space. Recreationists love it, but there is an imbalance. Um, there's we, we were going to say no net loss of wildlife and attention to habitat enhancement with open space and trails. But now what we see is a shift. The board has decided they want to shift their emphasis away with some additional funding for 25 years, and they got pushed back to 20 by the board, um, uh, to change their emphasis more toward trail building and parking lot construction, and, and hopefully enforcement. As in, less away from acquisitions. So I think if they want to make a shift that big, they need to listen to people like their founders who say, hey, wait a minute, we're getting away from Any habitat. specific trails? Specific trails, well, the newest ones recently always caused... Sky Mountain Park? <laughs> Sky Mountain Park is one. I know that's an elk calving ground. Bikers love to get in there and they jump the fence. They put in double fences and they still get the fences jumped. So we know people are going in and using them. Snowmass has bike trails and elk calving habitat. People are jumping in there. It's, it's, um, it's something the wildlife people are very concerned about. And, I don't, and what I'm hearing is open space and trails doesn't really respond um, sufficiently to suit them. Hawk, once again, you want to respond to Oh, that? where to start, where to start. Uh, first of all, I, I uh, like and respect both um, Kevin Wright and um, Tom Cardamone, uh, and I consider them both um, dear friends, uh, strong advocates for wildlife. Uh, the, I'm so glad that you brought up the example of Sky Mountain Park, because when you look at the Open Space and Trails program, Sky Mountain Park's a perfect example. Here you have ha a place that was scheduled for nine or ten um, mega mansions. 
Mega mansions are never closed. They're always, somebody's always, that would have meant a road going to the top of the ridge and nine houses scattered along the, the top of the ridge in the heart of that, um, what's now open space property, permanently preserved wildlife habitat. In conservation, the, the game is funding. Where are you gonna get your funding to make this conservation happen? And in Pitkin County, it happens to be from the voters, from the voting population here, and from the recreation. So the program was designed to have <coughs> trails be a component of it as a way to pay back the property owners who are paying their taxes, who are using these amenities. It's the only way to get people on to those properties. The beautiful thing about trails is that you are, they're controllable. They're, you know, it's one one thousandth of a percent of that. Uh, uh, I'm exaggerating, of course. I don't know the percentage of what those ribbons of trails are on Sky Mountain Park, but they're closable. They are closed during elk calving season. They're closed during the winter season. The houses would not be closed. The road up there would be plowed. You would have. You'd, you'd have lost uh, that wildlife habitat. So I would really challenge um, both of my opponents to name another agency in Pitkin County, in the Roaring Fork Valley, that has done as much for wildlife as the Open Space and Trails Program and the people of Pitkin County. They've made it front and center clear that wildlife is one of our main values here in this valley, and they're willing to pay uh, straight up for it. So. Open Space and Trails has the funding they have purchased. We've got 20,000 acres now under conservation easement and fee simple ownership that are protected wildlife habitat. Yes, they, their trails are a component of that, and that's what keeps the funds coming to, do, to continue this work. The job isn't done. We're not, we're not finished purchasing properties, but with property ownership comes property responsibilities. That means maintenance. So um, the constraints of the fund have been such a uh, percentage for maintenance, such a percentage for trail construction, and such a percentage for um, enforcement for, for purchase. Maintenance and enforcement, there is no other agency that has as many uh, rangers out there as open space and trails. We also have closed properties, permanently closed to the public properties. So uh, while you may be hearing people saying, uh, oh, we can't have trails going into the backcountry. Public access is how the public interacts with these properties. It, it, it goes to this um, concept uh, that when you look at wildlife worldwide, the North American wildlife management model is the most successful wildlife management model in the world. It's um, replicated around the world. And uh, that model is, is that the wildlife belong to the people, and the people pay for the professional management of that wildlife. They pay for people like uh, Kevin Wright to be out there and taking care of the wildlife. So to say that open space, by building trails and closing trails and enforcing those closures, and funding this conservation up and down this valley is damaging to wildlife, I, you know, I'll, I'll challenge you. Find me a, a homeowner, find me a landowner out there that will close their property and shut their house down for during the you know elk wintering time. Mm -hmm. There's not a there's not a landowner out there except open space and trails that will do that. It's also a gateway. We have to move we gotta, on to the next we question. <laughs> and, and Scott, you're right. Um, 
this should have been longer because we've already um, <laughs> broken away from the format. Right. right now, you are supposed to be asking each other questions. So, why don't we spend the next ten minutes on some exchange between you all? I'd like each of you to ask the other two a, a question, and I'm going to put Scott on the spot okay. first. Um, so. It's been an interesting process for me because I'm competing against you guys for this county commissioner seat, and yet there's been no forum for me to really fully understand where you guys stand on certain things. Um, I put out a website out there with as many thoughts as I could so that the electorate could decide. But the, the paper that, that Kutter's put together with all the questions that we put into the Aspen Daily News, um, I'll ask you both a question. I mean. Hawk, um, you said that the affordable housing program has been a success and we need the program. It's a good program and it does work. I would agree with you historically. Th those are correct comments. But I guess my question to both of you is how are you going to deal with a completely changed environment where now we have in retirees who are starting to fill the housing market? Are you going to continue to build the same kind of housing or are you going to shut off housing? What do you propose to do with the retirees? Well, I darn sure wouldn't be throwing them out of their houses. I, I think that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, I think that this, we do need to focus on the, success, the successes of the program. Um, you know, we have uh, some uh, 3,000 units in the, in the county. Um, it's, uh, it's more than simply a workers housing program. It's more than simply an affordable housing program. This is a community housing program. The purposes of this program is to keep um, Aspen w having a community here and the, the program was brought into place when um, we noticed that the West End was turning dark. Today we're having the same program problem with um, uh, retirees selling out of their free market housing which is you know it's perfectly fine. Those houses are being torn down. As you've seen the bumper sticker proud to live in a teardown. Uh, I happen to be proud to live in a teardown as well, but when those houses sell, they get torn down. They are being replaced with uh, second homes. Those homes are dark. It's happening all over uh, the How East does End. that relate to the retirees and affordable housing? We need to grow the program to continue to uh, strive to make that 60% uh, of the worker force here in Pitkin County hired so that, uh, or housed. So the thing that you're not, like if you're having trouble at the entry level of the affordable housing um, APCHA program, that's where you build. The retirees will take care of themselves. Give them 10, 20, 30 years. They'll either move on to uh, retirement housing or they'll pass on. And what is the rush? So what no is the rush to deal with this? When you have, you have turnover in the affordable housing program today, uh, you know, people are moving in and out of that program at about the same rate that people move all over the United States. This is not a unique problem to Aspen. This is not a unique problem to a uh, topsy-turvy economic market that we have here in Aspen. This is a challenge. It's a challenge for our society all over. So, absolutely. I, I, one thing I do not want to do is throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, there's the, the, the system is broken, there's a problem with uh, our community housing program. There's not that big of a problem. We, we need more housing. We need to continue to grow the housing. We have um, properties under 
ownership that are, you know, we have the land banked places to build housing. We have money in the housing account. We, we need to just keep going with it. Okay, I'd respond. I think, yes, the housing pro program has worked very well. We've got 3,000 homes. I think about, is it 1,400 or so are rental or maybe slightly more in the rental pool. Um, the system does work. Yes, it has problems. No one ever foresaw that it would become retirement housing. Uh, no one ever foresaw that there would be maintenance issues where people did not have an incentive or homeowners associations didn't have the incentive to, to maintain. So now all of a sudden, you know, problems do come up. Um, I think that we certainly need to work with the city and the other entities in the valley. My, uh, I'm pro a proponent of valley-wide solutions. Not everybody can live in Aspen. It's just unfortunate, but that's the case. Our community now extends at least to Carbondale, maybe Glenwood. And we've got, uh, um, uh, we, we have to start looking at the entire valley for housing solutions. We have some incredible successes. For all the exceptions that are talked about, which there are many, where things don't go well, we do have uh, things like the, um, somebody pointed out, the Hunter Longhouse, a great housing nobody even thinks about because it's been successful for 40 some years. Those guys want to build more. Uh, they want to build more in Down Valley, which is a great idea. Um, we have other uh, public-private partnerships that, that are successful, where people can get a tax break for contributing. So there are lots of things that we can do with housing. The thing I'm seeing, specific to being a county commissioner, is that I've been told that the county doesn't really have much of a voice now in the APCHA at this point, um, that, the, that the county has funding which hasn't really been used. Um, perhaps we need to become more actively involved with the city. Um, and I, as I understand it, some people are frustrated the city doesn't really include the county in, in its decisions any longer. It, it's not required to. So there is work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, the one thing I do know is we have an unlimited supply of people who would love to live in Aspen, Colorado. That's, that's just a fact. I think that um, there's, if, if we could keep building houses forever and people would come and fill them and, and, and that's just the situation. How big do we want to grow? We do have to consider that. Has, is, is it okay with everyone that the county and the city become the biggest growth engine um, in, in the area? Um, those are questions that I think are important and, and uh, I'm not going to come out and say I'm in favor of every form of housing. I think there are some great examples at work. And I, I think that um, as a commissioner, I will be fair-minded in, in looking at all of them, and I'll be a proponent for keeping young people here working. Can I just, in 30 seconds, answer my own question? I personally value the retirees extremely. To me, they're the backbone of the community. To me, they're the ones who have the time to volunteer. They create the nonprofits. They staff the nonprofits. They're the ones who go and volunteer at the school, who do so much for us. And to me, I would never kick them out. However, I do have several specific plans that I won't get into because we have too much time, but several specific plans to, to reach out to them and offer them an opportunity to incentivize them to move out of the unit, to thank them for their great decades, years of service, and to show our appreciation by giving them opportunities, if they choose to take those opportunities, to move to a smaller unit that may even be worth more so we could partially enrich them. I think we have to work with the retirees. Yeah. Hawk, would you like to ask a question to your fellow? Uh, well, I have a couple different questions. Uh, for Scott, you've run for multiple offices here in Pitkin County, starting in 1992 for county commissioner, and um, you've never been elected. 
Um, why do you think you've never been elected, and why should anybody take you as a serious candidate today? Sure. In 1992, I was a 34-year-old who had just um, been a part of a group called Voice, Voice of Youth Concerns. Um, we were a, young, a group of advocates for young adults in terms of housing and employment. And I ran for um, county commissioner and uh, had no, no money to run on, didn't raise any money because I explained to you already about how I abhor the influence of money in politics. Maybe I was being a little lazy, maybe that was the issue, but, but I didn't raise a dime. And I ran against an incumbent Democrat commissioner who was actually really good, Jim True, a guy I liked today and I liked then. Um, we had a spirited, a spirited competition. I think we came out of it respecting each other, and it felt like it was something worthwhile doing to me. In 2010, I ran one other time for city council. In 2010, I had decided to go ahead and do that. I thought about running for mayor against Mick Ireland, um, who I like and respect, um, but, but Elizabeth Milius at the time had a Sick of Mick campaign going. And I went to her first to say, please take down the Sick of Mick campaign because I don't want to campaign on, on a hate platform. I want to campaign on, a, 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 on issues. Um, and then I had a personal thing happen in my life and it completely distracted me from running, um, from doing all the things you do to win. I still finished third out of eight, out of eight people, uh, only 100 or 200 votes behind. Um, I can't remember, it was either Steve Scadden or Adam Frisch who finished second. So I think that my participation in the community, uh, I think being an independent has hurt me a little bit. I think that the circumstances were different, but I think that my candidacy is absolutely viable. Well said. Can I ask Greg a question? You certainly may. So Greg, you served uh, for a couple of years on the um, Healthy Rivers and Streams Board, so you have uh, some board experience there. Um, why did you get off of that board, and um, how effective did you feel that you were on that board? I, I served on it from its inception for, I think, about five years. And, and my first term was up last fall, and I got off because, I, one, I thought others, someone else should have a chance to do it. Uh, second was because I was a little frustrated because it was an advisory board. And, and what I saw happening, uh, if we worked on something for several months, um, we could send it up to the, the county commissioners and they could table it or discard it or perhaps get a letter from uh, a, a left field about, you know, from a citizen who was against it for some reason that didn't really uh, have an explanation and it would, it, would, it would die and go away. And so honestly I felt, you know, if I'm going to put time and effort into this and I think it's going to take more time and effort, I want to, I'm, I'm going to do something uh, and try and get in where I can have more decision-making power and more ability to, to have uh, some influence in the community. Could you say uh, an accomplishment or accomplishments from your time on that board? Um, we, certainly we had accomplishments, but you have to understand water is different from land. We couldn't just acquire water rights. You go in thinking, well, gee, we've got it. We're, we're raising money. The, the county has a tax base. We're, we're, we're taking in funds, but you can't just go and buy a water right. You have to do some very complicated um, uh, things. You look at uh, the establishment of um, the RISIDs. You look at uh, support of, of people who are doing things that don't always seem um, uh, like they're in line with the idea of keeping water in the rivers, you know, helping fund irrigators. To, to build, what do I have to stop? What's that? What was that sign? 
wrapping it up. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry about the hand sign. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it's hard to make an accomplishment there, but though, although we had some. It was a new board. It's feeling its way. I think Healthy Rivers is very important, and, and I look forward to supporting them. Greg, it's your turn to ask these oh. two candidates questions. You know, I'd like to hear more about Scott's um, buy-down program for affordable housing, because I, I have talked talk to you on, on many occasions about it. I think that um, I'd like to hear a little bit more. How specifically can you talk someone out of their home? Well, I mean, first of all, it's up to them. It's theirs. They bought it. They own it. They've lived in it. They've given to the community. They're part of the community. It's theirs. So the only way to talk them out of it is to incentivize them. And a lot of the folks in employee housing, um, to them, money is important. How much they have is important. What their nest egg is in a, is important. And for instance, I, I think the housing solutions, there's not one single big bite that you can take the whole apple and swallow it and solve it. To me, it's gonna be about multiple bites, uh, you know, as many as we can think of. We should come up as a, with as many individual programs as there are individuals out there. But in terms of the retirees, I can think of several ideas. One, one specifically would be to, to, to have, instead of having, say, a Peter Fornell building two-bedroom category two units that go on the market, what if he built two-bedroom RO units that would only be RO if he could get a retiree to move into them? Now suddenly this retiree maybe moves from a house that's worth $300,000 that we could really use for a local family into a two-bedroom condo that might be worth $400,000. The retiree wins with more net worth. The community wins with a, uh, with a new vacancy in the um, family market. Also in the employee market, if you get a family home to be vacated, you're creating a lot of transactions as people move up in. One moves into the family unit, then the next one takes that place, and the next one takes that place. So you're creating transactions. And I firmly believe that the slower grow concept here in affordable housing is a concept where you create as many transactions as you can while building as few units as possible. What's your take on rental housing? I think that from what I'm hearing so far, and you know, I'm, 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 not, a, I'm not a scholar on housing, but at the same time, from what I'm hearing so far, everyone seems to be agreeing that we need low income rental units. The kind of units that are for people who come here for a year, two, three years, do their ski bum thing, and then maybe take off. Uh, that makes sense to me. I, I need to know the details more before I would actually approve of that. Um, but one of the things here, guys, is that Picking County does not carry its weight in this program. The city does basically funds it. They have the staff for it. And I don't believe the, the county carries its weight. I think it's time for the county to get involved and get serious about affordable housing. How much housing do you want to build? No idea. How much is needed? No idea how much is needed. And it's interesting because when I asked the director of, um, of APSHA, there are no apparent goals out there that are established target points. No, there's no institutional goal. There seems to be no real direction on terms of what are our priorities are. They just finished a study um, that said, hey, we need to change some things here uh, and identify some gaps in the program, so we should start filling the gaps. But I actually believe that we can also buy down free market units into resident-occupied units, which I think is another way to increase the affordability, the affordable housing stock without growing. 
Um, in Woody Creek, they said, the Woody Creek Master Plan said, don't jam affordable housing down our throat with developers or government. We'll do it ourselves, they said in Woody Creek. And I thought that was pretty cool. They said, we'll do it as individuals. So as many individual ideas as possible. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those ideas can help some old timers partially cash out and stay in this community instead of just having their land effectively sterilized, their house rich, cash poor, and they have to leave the community. Have you looked let's, at, let's, oh, we're sorry. Quickly running out of time here. I was just gonna say, if you looked at the economics <laughs> of buying down free market housing, how does that, how does that pencil out? Uh, I believe it'll work. And I think you use housing credits to do it. Greg, question for Hawk. Um, Hawk, the feedback I'm getting in the, in, the, uh, in the rural county is that they're getting a lot of push from open space and trails, and they don't really feel as if the voices are heard. Um, there's definitely a sense of arrogance, so I'm told. I've not experienced it personally, um, but I'm just thinking, um, could open space and trails not benefit from perhaps better public outreach, more scrutiny, um, uh, just so everyone knows what's going on over there. It, it does seem like an old boys club, and, and um, I don't think it necessarily has to be. Perhaps our county is so complacent, uh, our citizenry, that they're just gonna let, um, let all the advisory boards go ahead and do what they wanna do. But I'm wondering if, um, what, you, what is your take on that? Are you, uh, what's your response when you hear that? Uh, after 18 years on open space and trails, I feel like I've heard everything. I do feel like I've heard um, um, landowners uh, push back against a public use going in uh, next to their uh, property. I, I think that's probably the most common um, uh, pushback that we hear. Um, I would have to point to the uh, incredibly collaborative uh, management planning process that we've <clears throat> instituted, and I'm incredibly proud of the um, staff at Open Space that we have on board that do, and in fact, it's one of our main limitations, which is interesting here in Pitkin County that um, usually most conservation organizations, the limitation is on funds. Here in Pitkin County, the limitation is almost on our ability to do the outreach, to, to plan these, pro these projects. For example, Lazy Glen open space which was just purchased um, from the Kiriana family across the river from Lazy Glen. It's had a um, oh, six month long um, outreach program in which uh, we go to the local community, we go to the neighbors, we go to um, open uh, houses, we have the, the websites available, we gather in all the information that we possibly can about how do we program this property that has you know half a mile of riverfront it's visible from the highway it has a um, with the addition of the Bioni uh, Gulch parcel it has a portal into the back country how do we handle wildlife issues here how do we handle the uh, river rafters that's an outreach program that takes uh, it takes months to put together and the um, uh, the end result is a management plan which provides access uh, from the Lazy Glen um, uh, trailer park, bridge over the river to the Rio Grande, which will um, make for safe transit for those people into the town of Basalt or up valley onto the Rio Grande Trail. But that, um, that process is uh, incredibly time consuming. So every time we have a property, we either place it into a land banking where we just say, we're not going to do anything with this until we have time 
for that public outreach, for that uh, uh, collaborative process with the neighbors. So uh, I think it's interesting to run into the, oh, you guys, well, open space and trails could be considered the 800-pound gorilla in the room when you can walk in and say, well, let's, let's do some conservation. Let's get some good things done here. And that is, um, um, it's, it's tough to reconcile with the uh, economic situation in Pitkin County where there are you know, hundreds of billionaires who can walk in and buy all of the property around them. They can you know, lock it all up and lock the public out of it and then come in and do their development dreams, whatever they uh, can um, force through the county process. So I guess I'd have to push back against that, the concept of arrogance. We really go to great effort at the Open Space and Trails uh, to uh, be open to the public. The meetings are open to the public. We hold meetings all over the county. We hold meetings in Redstone. We hold meetings in Carbondale. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, you're going to always have some people upset uh, with what goes on in their neighborhoods, uh, with any any differences. There are some people upset that they're not houses. Hawk, we're going to wind it down now. <laughs> so we've got like five or six minutes left. We can maybe go a little longer, but I wanted to open this up to the audience if anyone has any questions. If, if not, then we can go to some of the uh, email questions we've received from our readers. Who um, wants to go first? <laughs> Miss Brown, right? Ruthie and then Ward. Yes, I just um, how it, how can Pitkin County um, use the airport expansion as a, a um, opportunity to act on climate change? You're going to repeat that question. Excellent, great question. Well, it was how can you use the airport expansion, expansion to act on on climate change? Yeah, did you all get that question? Sure. And, and let's keep these answers concise, please, like 45 seconds. I think the most, the most dramatic part of it from what, and I've talked to all the county commissioners and several of the people who are involved directly, I've toured the airport. It's pretty pathetic in the back, by the way. The, the conditions our employees are working in are really bad. But the exciting part of it to me are these next-gen planes. And everything that I've heard about the next-generation planes are that they use less fuel and that they're quieter and that they do hold more people, which theoretically would, would suggest that there could be fewer flights coming in. So specifically to answer your question, I think it's the next generation planes, and then also when we build the new airport, we should be as LEED certified as possible. Hawk. Well, I'm a uh, commercial pilot. I've flown in and out of that airport for 25 years. I know it from both sides of the fence. And um, I, I can tell you that the uh, I like to I like to think of the next generation airplanes. Uh, I'm I'm for the expansion of the airport for moving the runway in particular, because this next generation of airplanes that are uh, that are on the drawing boards today are more efficient. I'd like to think of it as a, as if they have um, glider-like wings in that they are a wider wingspan. That's primarily what's going on there. The other part of that uh, is the safety issue. So with, uh, with safety and uh, greater efficiency, we should see 10 to 15% uh, reduction in fuel uh, burns um, out at the airport. And um, I think in terms of climate change, we need to make every um, effort that we can. 
Well, first of all, I think um, the FAA is going to be the one who's coming in. They're the 800-pound gorilla. Uh, they're going to be really mandating what we can do with the length or the width of our runway. We can certainly advocate for or against it. Um, certainly in terms of climate change and mitigating for climate change, yes, the newer generation of airplanes should be more efficient. They should be quieter. Um, uh, we need to provide scrutiny. The county commissioners are going to need to be involved in this every step of the way and, and providing scrutiny, quite honestly. The last round of expansions on the airport, a lot of promises were made to the neighbors up on Buttermilk and the Woody Creek people that it would be quieter airplanes coming. Wasn't really true. Um, so so what I, all I can say is that we need to be pay attention and have scrutiny um, of, of all of this, and I, I do believe that the next generation of airplanes will be better. Yeah. Ward and Jason, you're next. Thank you, gentlemen, for um, the courage to run for county commissioners. I think both Greg and Scott have mentioned that they believe in valley-wide solutions to our problems. I, I assume Hawk believes the same thing. My question to you is that the economic driver of Pickens County is Aspen. And the largest issues I think we face are congestion, traffic, and parking. Um, and I'd like to know what your beliefs and feelings are on the entrance to Aspen as it relates to uh, parking and congestion as well. And if you can answer that in 45 seconds. <laughs> 45 seconds, yes. Yes, we have a problem. As we find out every year we go is that the, the problems are caused by the solutions to the previous problems. So we do have a lot of congestion. Um, we're in 45 seconds. We're not going to be able to uh, remove all those cars from the highway. We can try to house people, but we'll never house enough to take the strain off the highway. As for parking, in the, in, the, in the community, this is the only major ski area perhaps in the world that doesn't have a parking spot at the parking place, parking lot at the bottom of it. Um, so we have a, a serious problem. Um, we have a lot of cars and not enough place to put them and, uh, and, and we're going to have a hard time getting people out of their cars. Uh, I, I think this is a great question. Uh, I, I like to look at the amount of time that I've spent on the Open Space Board and the number of collaborative uh, responses to problems that we've used there. I think that uh, this is a city of Aspen um, problem. I think that we can collaborate with them to answer it. And I think that this is one of those uh, situations that um, where Pickin County, as a member of RAFTA, and is, um, you know, it's one of the founding, you know, driving forces behind RAFTA. I think RAFTA is a part of the solution to this. I think that. Um, this is one situation where City of Aspen needs to take the lead. We have, uh, you know, there's a, someone said something like 30-odd votes uh, on the record of decision. Um, we, you know, have uh, solutions are in the pipeline. City of Aspen's not moving on them. We can support City of Aspen, but this is not where Pitkin County takes the lead. So I don't accept that traffic is the solution to keeping the town quiet. I don't accept that traffic jams are the solution, and I think we should be trying to solve that. Um, I think there are effectively two paths that we can go down, either a asphalt path or a non-asphalt path. Non-asphalt examples, for instance, the train. My heart is in the non-asphalt path, but I, my head worries about that because of the costs and the complications. 
So what I think we ought to be doing is we ought to really be putting our heads together once again, because it feels like no progress has been made, and, and work on figuring out which path we're going to go down, and then in the meantime, start to get rid of some of these traffic lights that are out there right now, because maybe if we get rid of the traffic lights, maybe the, so the, the solution will already be in front of us. Jason. Uh, the county commission has kind of prompted a debate on marijuana edibles lately in the community and why they're tied to cookies and gummy bears and things like that. And there's, it sounds like even the possibility that they may ban them in the county, and I just wonder what you all think of can you repeat that question? What's your position on edibles, and uh, should they be banned or more strictly regulated, as uh, some current commissioners, commissioners have, uh, have suggested they're in favor of? Uh, I'm in favor of the marijuana industry. I, I voted for the resolution, or whatever the heck it was, 64. Um, I believe in personal rights and individual freedoms, and, and so I'm in favor of it. But I think we should really listen to law enforcement and the people on the front lines who are trying to help us make sure that these things don't get in the hands of kids because they are just for adults. And I do, I do think that if you package it in a, a way that appears to be for a kid, that that's an issue to be considered. And, and if we talk about it and work it through, then maybe it's okay. But personally, I think it's a viable issue and they really shouldn't be putting it in that kind of format. Okay. Hawk. I think it's nuts to have uh, cannabis-infused um, gummy bears running around out there and cookies. Um, I think that uh, uh, while I support the marijuana industry, I think we need to challenge the industry to come up with um, adult-oriented um, cannabis-infused products. Um, I do think that, uh, that the marijuana industry is turning out an incredible amount of uh, funds all of which are earmarked for the schools. I think that we need to earmark some of those funds for the first responders and for so that the first responders have the tools to deal with uh, the inevitable um, uh, overindulgence. I think that overindulgence also applies to alcohol. Uh, I think we need, we need to make sure that our first responders have the tools required to help this um, uh, resolve itself so we don't have uh, problems with it. Um, the, uh, the news today or yesterday had an article uh, about a study done by the state that was surprising to me because it said that um, there doesn't seem to be a measurable, uh, noticeable impact of legalized marijuana on, on, our, on kids. And, and that's great news so far. It's still pretty young in this new industry. Um, my initial reaction was that I think it's crazy to try to manufacture THC-infused bubble gum that looks just like double bubble or cookies or gummy bears. I'm pretty much in agreement with these guys. That's kind of scary. I believe that there are medicinal qualities of medical marijuana and recreational as well that adults can use, but why can't we put it in a place where we know children will not get it? Thanks, guys. And Ashley said we can play another inning or two here. Um, so I have a, <laughs> I have a que if you all are willing to stick around, uh, this is a reader question, and uh, the county might not like it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. It's, and we're going to start with you, Greg. What has the county government done right? What has the county government done right? Well, um, here's my thought experiment for anybody who's driving up and down 82. You're, you're coming through the valley. You notice a big change as soon as you hit uh, around Willits area or, or at this side of Basalt. All of a sudden, there's open space. Thank you for open space and trails. But previously, we had commissioners who downzoned 
severely in the 1960s um, and, and took out the possibility that we would be building above certain elevations, that we would be building with incredible density. And if you look at the plans from that era, we have um, the possibility that today we could have maybe 50, maybe 70,000 residents in the valley, maybe as far down from here to Jerboz, all the big plans, Wildcat uh, subdivision was planned for between 15 and 50,000 people, depending on who you ask. Snowmass Village, 30,000 residents. Hunter Creek, 2,500 homes. Uh, North Star, maybe 1,000 homes up there. Places that we hold sacred and that we've worked to preserve, that our county has worked on, um, have been preserved all that time. So yes, that's something they've done right. Maybe we should rephrase that within the last four years. <laughs> oh, you need me to but, start but, off. But no, point taken. <laughs> uh, well, I'd have to agree with Greg on that. I think that um, when uh, the county has placed limits on um, growth, and that's um, been what has helped the quality of life work here in Pitkin County. I think without limits on ourselves, that when, when we go out and voluntarily limit our growth, that it has paid huge dividends here in Pitkin County in terms of quality of life. The, uh, I, you know, I hate to point to the open space, and Greg did, I guess, open space and trails. Um, that is a, a uh, county program that stepped up to the plate and said, you know, this, you know, we believe in the free market, we believe in uh, private property rights, we simply want to purchase and make sure that we can protect agriculture, we can protect uh, public access to public lands, and we can protect the public access to the rivers, for example. Uh, that program has grown. I think that um, we have it right, despite what Greg might say, uh, in terms of public outreach, in terms of public participation. I'm, scrutiny. Um, the public scrutiny is there. Um, we have, uh, you know, strong and valid sunshine laws in the state of uh, Colorado, and we have uh, checks and balances. That, Open Space and Trails program is a program of checks and balances, and that's where we have uh, citizenry involved and as volunteers on that board, and then electeds in, uh, involved as well. So not one penny of that okay. fund gets spent without um, both boards' um, uh, approval, and I, I take great pride in that program. I think the county's got that one right. To save time on my answer, I'll say ditto to those guys. Okay. Um, I agree. Um, I think another arena, though, that the county's done a good job is in health and human services. I think the, the level of care uh, um, has been really quite good, quite exceptional. However, I'm one of those kind of guys who just, I feel like you can always do better. No matter how good you're doing, you can do better. And every one of these programs that we're talking about, I think there's room for improvement. Um, and I mean, I think that Rachel has done an amazing job fighting for water rights. I think they've done a, generally a very good job of outreach. And, and, um, and so from my perspective, they've done a pretty good job on certain things and not such a good job on other things, particularly housing is my biggest frustration in the county. Do you have any more? Yeah, I, I, I have, have quite a, a few too. more that <laughs> we probably won't be able to get to. but. Keep them calm. Uh, one question from a reader involves the plans that the city of Aspen uh, has on the boards and has for a long time for some water storage reservoirs that could theoretically be built uh, way up high in the Castle and Maroon Creek valleys. Uh, uh, within Pickin County, it would, it would be under the jurisdiction to a certain, uh, certain extent of Pickin County. Uh, it was just recently a story in the Aspen Daily News about how the city is at the point where it has to 
uh, either sort of renew uh, it, its permit to keep uh, keep planning those and keep moving forward or not. It's going to hold some public meetings. Uh, what do you guys think? Should they, uh, should, should they drop this one? Water rights are critical to our future. And I'm not just talking about 10 or 20 years. I'm talking about 100 years. I'm talking about 500 years. Greg likes to talk mm -hmm. about the long view. This is a long view issue, without a doubt. I read the article. That's all I know about it. To be perfectly honest, water rights are very tricky. If you walk away from your right, are you opening up that claim to someone else to take? My impression of that from that article was is that we should walk away from those because I don't see any of us really reveling in a dam up either of those valleys. And I don't see the water right preservation as being a critical issue there. So from my perspective, my, my short answer to your question is we should walk away from that one. But boy, do I hate to say it when it comes to water rights, because that's a rare situation. Most of what I know about water rights comes from my time as a rancher. And uh, I love the old saying that uh, whiskey is for drinking and water is for fighting over. Yeah. I think we're uh, facing um, climate change. I think with climate change that all bets are off. Um, our current reservoirs are the snowpack. I think we're seeing that snowpack and uh, uh, get lost uh, earlier in the spring and then it's showing up later in the fall. We've lost a month on either end. We do have to take the long run, uh, the long view here, and that, um, that means that we need to keep our options open. Uh, I don't like the idea of large earthen dams up there. I'd like to think that this community, of all communities, this community can come up with innovative solutions. Uh, the, my um, ideal, healthiest uh, looking river is one that has a series of beaver dams uh, in it with uh, that sort of aquatic um, life. And uh, I, would, I would take a good look at the, um, those water rights and the amount of storage that you need and look at um, micro dams, the length of those streams that could be um, more but in in this day and age of climate change uh, to um, uh, mess with your water rights it, it's a bad idea can I change my mind <laughs> no you may not Greg <laughs> <laughs> Scott wants dams Hawk wants beavers <laughs> I, I, I want dams <laughs> didn't you just change your mind um, no as, as a commissioner this has come up we've heard about this before um, it seems ludicrous honestly people to say this is nuts. Um, I noticed in the past when it came around last time the city did not abandon their rights to do it, but it gets forgotten. So this has come up before, it's gonna go away again. I don't think this is a pressing issue we need to be uh, you know, getting our pitchforks out over, but uh, I'm against it. Dams in, Hunter Creek, or dams in Maroon Creek and Castle, um, I know the stand-up paddle community would love this, but I'm just not for it. <laughs> Uh, this, this question relates to um, clearly the uh, county's government building expansion renovation comes from a reader and uh, he asks, will you cooperate with the Aspen City Council on projects within the city or will you insist that you get your own way as recently demonstrated? It's a little frustrating. Uh, one of the, one of the, uh, somebody asked me, you know, what would you have done? And I guess my first reaction is, is that I would Certainly wished I'd had a, a sit at, seat at the table when working on that discussion. And I am embarrassed for both the city and the county that we have this fractious relationship. <laughs> it should be, they should be working in concert. 
on the new buildings, on the design of the building, all of this. It, it's, uh, it's frustrating. I say that's an embarrassment. Hawk. I think this is one of those areas of collaboration that uh, you, we have to respect each other's uh, opinions. And um, I think you have, to, you have to strive. And to the extent that one individual on a board can make a difference, um, I would hope to be that difference maker. The um, city of Aspen has successfully collaborated on so many different things with Pitkin County. Um, they don't recognize the boundary when it comes time to funding something like uh, Sky Mountain Park or the Rio Grande Trail um, or RAFTA for that matter. So the, we have a collaborative relationship. We need to continue and maintain that. Uh, I would uh, uh, respect, I think, the city of Aspen's position on that. I might call for a secondary um, architectural review board. I'm not an architecturally uh, trained person, but I am an, uh, uh, an architectural critic. I can you know, grouse about any building you want in town. Uh, I think that this is one of those places where you do go to experts, you, you bring experts in, and you, um, you know, perhaps a joint architectural commission between the city of Aspen and uh, Pitkin County to go to take a look at it and make the tweaks necessary so that they, uh, these buildings are going to last forever. We might as well harmonize these buildings into the future. So, okay, thanks. It seems to me the deal's done. I've been told pretty directly the deal's done it's in done. terms of our influence. But if I would have been at the table at the time, the, the biggest questions I would have asked is, how many employees travel in town to go work at the facility, and could they work out of town just as efficiently in another building? I'd be looking for ways to try to reduce the traffic. How many people do we serve in the county that would just as soon not drive all the way into Aspen? I know as an employer, when we were trying to decide where to locate our offices, we asked our employees, who all live down Valley, and of course, they picked the ABC as a place to where, and it saved them an hour a day. And happy employees is a good thing for, for every business and every government. And, and so, I, but in terms, so I would have been trying to find ways to make it smaller, to make it better serving, to reduce the traffic, and then absolutely on the architectural front and, the, and, the, and working with the city, I just don't understand why we wouldn't do that. Thank you. How are we doing? Yeah? Should we do uh, closing, closing statements? Um, sure. More, I mean, any more questions? I feel like we could keep going on and on. We'll keep going um, on. I have some other questions, but... Um, Let's go. Let's do some more. I, I, you know, there are... This, is, this involves education, and it's uh, obviously very important. And this comes from a reader. It's a, it's a uh, very long-winded question, but um, I'll ask it anyway. Uh, attracting and retaining highly qualified teachers is a continuing problem for the school system. The lack of affordable housing is the most often cited reason for teacher attrition. Would you support a change to the Picking County Affordable Housing Guidelines to give some type of lottery priority to the teaching staff of the school district? Yes. I Elaborate. <laughs> yes, I would, and, and I've met with the school district to talk about this. In the old days when Greg and I were going to school here, all we ever heard about was how we get the best teachers in the world who want to come here or in the country. Now it's not so easy, and these teachers come in here, and they're, they're looking for not just a job and a roof. They're looking for a future. They're looking for an opportunity. So I'm in favor of Picking County stepping up its efforts in the housing world and partnering with different entities like the teachers, like the police, like the sheriff, like the fire, like the, uh, the healthcare professionals. 
do some partnerships with those folks. Let's create, get our critical services living in this community. Ask Joey DeSalvo about, uh, you know, the best police officers, the best deputies are the deputies who live in the communities they serve, and it's the same as teachers. So absolutely. And you would, you would want to do that with other entities as well, you said, though. Absolutely. Like yes, the hospital and so on. I would. Okay. Hawk. Well, in the interest of full disclosure, I should say that I feel like I'm a member of the educational community. My wife is a uh, school teacher, and so I um, uh, should recuse myself. Uh, Greg, Greg happy here. But, uh, that Only when you're trying said, to get her a house. It's uh, a conflict of interest. I, I would not um, uh, go down the, the slippery slope of identifying particular people that we want to have in the community and then uh, designing the affordable housing uh, program to meet that particular need. I think that's a, uh, a huge mistake. I think that it uh, creates a, a caste system within our uh, society and that you know we need a robust and healthy affordable um, housing program so that the, uh, the excuse that the uh, school district uses that they can't keep teachers is um, no longer valid. I think that we, we, if you say it's teachers today, it's policemen, or it's uh, sheriff's deputies, or it's the uh, fire department people. What happens to that person who uh, decides to change their career? We, people today have five or six careers in the course of their lives. Are they gonna lose their house? Uh, so then you have a teacher who doesn't wanna teach anymore, but who has, in order to keep their house, has to stay a teacher. You know, that's, it, it's, a, it's an idea that's fraught with, um, uh, danger, and I think the solution to it is to have a robust, uh, affordable housing mm -hmm. Um, program. You both make good points, Greg. Um, r regarding that teacher, I, I empathize completely, as I do with the policeman and the nurse, and you know the other the other individuals who are essential to our community. And and it's really hard to decide who's essential and who isn't. You know, it comes down to emergency services and critical services to help the community. I've thought about this, and I think that. It, I, I do like the idea of having an essential services program where someone who is involved and really critically needed here can, find, can have a place to live. We can help them find a place to live. Does it have to be formalized through the housing office? It seems like that's the direction we're heading. But I also think that we could also have a meritocracy where if someone's a big contributor to the community in other ways, they have some sort of points toward getting into housing. But it doesn't, have to, be a it doesn't have to be a lottery process. <laughs> they don't have to be in the lottery. If you form partnerships with these groups, it removes that element from the lottery. So the lottery still, still happens the mm -hmm. way it happens. And it doesn't create a us versus them. It's a partnership with those, with those districts and those communities to help build those units. Just a question about um, the way county government is set up. We have caucuses that represent all, um, all many of our neighborhoods. Uh, we thought of this question as it relates to the airport. The district you guys are running to represent includes uh, Woody Creek and other areas around the airport that have historically had the biggest problem with any changes to the airport. As a commissioner, would you defer to those boards? If, if Woody Creek came out and said, we are not in favor of this airport expansion, you know, do you feel like you're, you're beholden to neighborhood caucuses or how do you take that feedback into account? Well, you, you are the representative of that caucus. You're, you're voted by, at lar by the community at large, so you have to be answerable to the community, but the fact is you're, you're an electee from that district, so certainly you have to listen to what your district is saying, it seems to me. Um, I think that uh, it's Woody Creek, it's the Roaring Fork, uh, you know, the, 
the, the valley through, through uh, along the Roaring Fork River, uh, but I also people in Meadowood. I was taken aside by three women from Meadowood who, who really were concerned about what could happen to the airport. The noise they get from the airport really concerns them. So the airport goes far beyond our, um, just our district. But as, as it comes to my district, what I understand and what I've heard is my district doesn't always feel like they're being heard in the county. So yes, I'm going to listen to them, and I will advocate for them. But will you defer to to the opinion as it comes out of the caucus in your own if it conflicts with your own personal? Beliefs? I think what I would I would like to think when that arises is that I will do what I can that's best for the public at large in Pitkin County. I think the uh, caucus system is a really great way to give neighborhoods voice, and um, we have uh, multiple caucuses. Some are more active than others. Um, this is uh, it's a useful, valuable way to, to um, uh, get information to the Board of County Commissioners. I think the decision-making um, rests with the Board of County Commissioners. I think that's where you need to have um, judgment and experience and um, uh, careful consideration. I think that, that um, without the input from the caucuses, it's uh, almost meaningless. To, and so I think you would um, have to say that you, you want to listen to those caucuses, but uh, you have to chart a course that makes sense for the county as a whole. Um, I read in detail the Woody Creek Caucus Master Plan, and, and I was really impressed with the, with the way they put that together and the, 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 the ideas and the, the concerns that they have. And regarding the airport, they seem to come up with something that I hadn't, when I talked to all the county commissioners and all the experts, not one of them had mentioned a weight limit as a possibility of trying to keep the big nasty planes out of Aspen. Now whether that'll work or not, I don't know, but after I read that I called those folks back up, the people I had talked to and talked to them about it, and there was some kind of, oh wow, maybe. So I think that we should listen to them, we should work with them, but let's not also forget, I live in East Aspen. Hawk lives in East Aspen. We're part of the East Aspen Caucus. We don't just represent Woody Creek. We represent effectively two areas. And so I think it's really important. I believe in the caucus process. I told Woody Creek that I would stick up for them on every one of their points in the master plan because I think it's their caucus and their neighborhood and I totally agree with all the stuff they're doing. But if it's a bigger thing like an airport and it affects all of us, then I think it's up to us to make the right decision for the community at large. Um, we've got five more minutes. Um, and you know what's dominated this discussion and has been housing, open space, transportation, and the airport. Is, is there any subject out there, topic, that you feel is not getting the attention it deserves? Can you speak outside to that? Of, of those outside of those And four. outside of transportation, because mm -hmm. we talked about yes. that too. Mm -hmm. What about growth, growth in general? How big do we want to grow? I'd love to just put that forward as, as a conversation. What do we see? Where do we see ourselves going and growing in the next 20 or 30 years? Can we grow our way out of our problems? I'm not certain of that, and, and I am very concerned that every solution we come up with involves growing bigger to solve a problem. And, and I'm just thinking, um, you know, I've got to say, I w I'd like to uh, announce that not everybody who wants to live in Aspen can, and that's the way it is everywhere else in the world. And, and unfortunately, we have a lot of problems caused by our love of the place and desire for growth control, yet our quality of life depends on that. 
So, so I, I would leave it there. Thank you. I'm absolutely certain we can't grow our, grow our way out of these problems. In fact, I think that what we should be doing is fighting against the growth as much as we can, trying to figure out ways that we can have our affordable housing program. And I believe it can be done, be more effective with less growth. I suspect we all agree on this kind of stuff. But um, no, this, this place is wonderful. We, we love the small scale. We love having our off seasons. I love the busy times too. I mean, it's fun to go out when the bars are packed and there's great bands and, and all that sort of thing. So I like, I like both pieces of what Aspen has to provide. But I'm absolutely with the, the growth issue and, and trying to make sure that we keep it down as much as we practically can. There is good growth and bad growth, however. You know, if, if, if building a rec center is growth and it's an awesome rec center that everyone loves, I say that's good. If, you know, sorry, I'm out of time. The, the question was what issue is not getting enough airtime outside of the big ones that we had uh, already spent some time talking about? Oh, I think I'd like to go to Health and Human Services. I just uh, had the unfortunate experience of going over the handlebars on my mountain bike, and I ended up with uh, six crushed vertebrae. That took me out of uh, the job that I had at the time, which was a backcountry job uh, managing the Alpha Braun HUD system. And it left me with an incredible appreciation for uh, a medical profession here that saved my life and you know put me back together again. and. Um, you know, allowed me to keep um, full mobility. So um, we live here because of this quality of life, because of uh, the amenities that are available here. Some, some of that is supported by the professionals that work in that um, profession. Uh, I have nothing but the highest respect for them, and uh, I, I think that it's it's part of being a uh, world class um, destination resort is having you know good. Uh, of course, health and human services means a lot more than just the hospital, but that's my recent brush with it, and I um, like to s keep my distance from them <laughs> in the future. I think, I think that maybe one of the biggest issues not already brought up is, is, is that the county commissioners, what they, my perception of what they do is, is they try to bring all the different groups, all the jurisdictions, the municipalities, the districts, and it's the county commissioner's job to really try to make sure that the communication is going back and forth between those overlapping districts with their overlapping interests. And what I think is really important for the county commissioner to do is to have a really positive relationship with those outside entities so that the, when it's time to bring two or three or four of those entities together, that they have that kind of relationship where it can be a team kind of ener uh, energy, not necessarily a, oh, we have to do this, or it's us against them kind of energy. Closing statements? <laughs> I think. Are we done? Yeah, I think we need to wind down, but thank you for okay. participating in this. Uh, just a reminder to voters, it's June 28th is the primary, and uh, according to the clerk, we've only seen about 7 or 8% return rate on the ballots. I think everybody was waiting for this forum, and now they can go ahead and vote. And waiting so. and waiting and waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks to all three of you, and good luck. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. The Grassroots Network Summer Podcast Series has been generously underwritten by Turnkey Vacation Rentals. Turnkey Vacation Rentals is the first truly owner-centric vacation rental service now available in the Roaring Fork Valley. 
We handle all of your short-term rental property management needs, offering superior service and high returns. Turnkey's straightforward pricing and transparent business model make it easier for you to earn revenue from your rental. Proprietary technology provides a smoother, more efficient experience for both travelers and vacation rental owners. Trustworthy, local staff provides support around the clock with true full-service property management for homeowners and their guests. For more information on Turnkey Vacation Rentals, contact Mark Viola at mark.viola at turnkeyvr.com or call at 970-368-4288. Turnkey Vacation Rentals supports the grassroots network in your community.